0: Chapter 16 of The Gorilla Hunters by R. M. Ballantine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Del de Chapter 16 An Unfortunate Delay and a Terrible Visitor. Only those who have been forcibly held back when filled with the deepest anxiety to go forward can form anything like a conception of our state of mind during the next few days that succeeded on that which Peterkin met his accident. We felt like chained hounds when the huntsmen passed by. We knew that every hour increased the distance between us and the slave-dealer's party, who, unless we succeeded in passing them and reaching the villages first, would infallibly succeed in their villainous design. But Peterkin was unable to proceed without great risk, as whenever he attempted to walk steadily for any distance his head became giddy, and we were compelled to halt, so that a day or two's rest was absolutely necessary." poor makaruru was nearly beside himself with impatience but to do him justice he endeavoured to conceal the state of his feelings when in peterkin's presence during this period of a forced inaction although i of course had nothing to do i found it impossible to apply my mind closely to the study of any of the strange and beautiful objects by which i was surrounded anxiety banished from me almost entirely the love of study as well as the power of observation Nevertheless, one or two things that I saw were so curious that they could not but make a deep impression on my memory. I discovered a spider of a very remarkable kind, which was such an ingenious creature as to be capable of making a door to the entrance of its house. I came upon the animal one day while taking a stroll a short distance from our camp. It was as large as a shilling, reddish in colour, and from the fierce rapid way in which it ran about hither and thither as in search of prey, it had an exceedingly horrible and voracious aspect the whole of this creature was visible only when its owner is absent from home it is quite evident either that there are no thieves among the lower animals there or that there is nothing in the hole to steal for when he goes out he leaves the door behind him when he returns he shuts the door and the hole becomes invisible in consequence of the door being coated with earth on the outside its inside is lined with a pure white silky substance which at once attracted my attention as i passed on trying to pick up the door i found that it was attached by a hinge to the hole and on being shut it fitted exactly perhaps the most singular discovery i made was a tree the stem of which had been so completely surrounded by spiders webs that it could not be seen and i had to cut through the network with my knife in order to get at the tree the lines of those webs were as thick as coarse threads and pretty strong as i had reason to know for when walking back to camp the same evening meditating deeply on our unfortunate detention I ran my head into the middle of a spider's web, and was completely enveloped in it, so much so that it was with considerable difficulty I succeeded in cleaning it away. I was as regularly netted as if a gauze veil had been thrown over me. On our third morning after the accident, we set forth again, and continued our journey by forced marches, as Peterkin could bear it. Although the two past days and nights had been absolutely lost, and could not but be-, be recalled, yet the moment we set out and left our camp behind us, the load of anxiety was at once lifted off our minds, and we hurried forward with an elasticity of spirit and step that was quite delightful. We felt like prisoners set free, and kept up a continual flow of conversation, sometimes in reference to the scenery and objects around us, and other times in regards to our future plans or our past experiences." It seems to me, said Jack, breaking silence at the end of a long pause which had succeeded in an animated discussion as to whether it would better to spend one's life in the civilized world or among the wilds of Africa, in which discussion peterkin, who advocated the wild life, was utterly though not admittedly beaten, it seems to me that, notwithstanding the short time we have stayed in the gorilla country, we have been pretty successful. Haven't we bagged thirty-three altogether? Thirty-six, if you count the babies in arms, responded peterkin. Of course we are entitled to count these i think you are both out in your reckoning said i drawing out my notebook the last baby that i shot was our thirty-seventh what cried peterkin the one with the desperately black face and the horrible squint that nearly tore all the hair out of jack's head before he managed to strangle him that wasn't a baby it was a big boy and i have no doubt a big rascal besides that may be so i rejoined but whatever he was i have him down as number thirty-seven in my list "'Pity we didn't make up the forty,' observed Jack. "'Ah, yes, indeed,' said Peterkin. "'But let me see. Could we not manage to make it up to that yet?' "'Impossible,' said I. "'We are far away from the gorilla land now, I know, "'for in addition to the fact that we have seen no traces of gorilla for a long time, "'we have, within the last few days, seen several lions, "'which you are well aware do not exist in the gorilla country.' "'True, but you mistake me,' rejoined Peterkin. I do not mean to make the number up to forty by killing three more, but proving, almost a demonstration, that we have already been the death of that number, in addition to those noted down." "'You'll find that rather difficult,' said Jack, laughing. "'Not at all,' cried Peterkin. "'Let me think a minute. You remember that enormously big, hairy fellow that looked so like an ugly old man that Ralph refused point-blank to fire at him, whereupon you fired at him point-blank and wounded him in the shoulder as he was running away. "'We treated several big fellows in that way,' replied Jack. "'Which of them do you allude to? "'The one that roared so loud and terrified you so much you nearly ran away?' "'No, no, you know well enough which one I mean. "'The one that ran along the edge of the stagnant pool into which you tumbled as we were coming back.' "'Oh, yes, I remember,' said Jack, laughing. "'Well, that fellow flew into such a horrible rage when he was wounded,' continued Peterkin. "'Then I am perfectly certain he went straight home "'and murdered his wife in a passion, "'which brings the number up to thirty-eight. "'Then there was that old woman gorilla "'which I brought down when we were descending yon hill "'that was covered with such splendid vines. "'You remember? "'Well, I'm quite certain that the young man gorilla beside her, "'who ran off and escaped, was her son, "'and that he went home straight away and died of grief. "'That makes thirty-nine. "'Then—' "'Oh, do be quiet, Peterkin, please,' said I with a shudder. "'You put things in such a fearfully dark and murderous light "'that I quite feel as if I were a murderer.' "'I feel quite uneasy, I assure you, "'and if it were not that we have killed all these creatures "'in the cause of science, I should be perfectly miserable.' "'In the cause of science,' repeated Peterkin, "'Humph! I suspect that a good deal of wickedness "'is perpetrated under the wing of science.' "'Come, come,' said Jack. "'Don't you begin to grow sarcastic, Master Peterkin. "'I abominate sarcasm and cannot tolerate sarcastic people. "'If you adopt that style, I shall revert to my natural habits "'as a gorilla and tear you in pieces.' "'There you exhibit your unnatural ignorance of your natural habits,' reported Peterkin. "'For you ought to know that gorillas never tend men in pieces, "'their usual abode being to knock you down with a blow of their huge paws.' "'Well, I will knock you down if you prefer it.' "'Thank you, I'd rather not. "'Besides, you have almost knocked me up already, so pray call a halt and let me rest.' We were all very willing to agree to this request, having walked the last two or three miles at a very quick pace seating ourselves on the trunk of a fallen tree we enjoyed the beautiful prospect before us an open vista enabled us to see beyond the wood in which we were travelling into an extensive sweep of prairie land on which the sinking sun was shedding a rich flood of light it happened to be a deliciously cool evening and the chattering of numerous parrots as well as the twittering songs of other birds less gorgeous perhaps but more musical than they refreshed our ears as the glories of the landscape did our eyes while we were gazing dreamily before us in silent enjoyment Jack suddenly interrupted our meditations by exclaiming, "'Hist, look yonder!' He pointed as he spoke to a distant part of the plain on which the forest closely pressed. "'A zebra!' cried I with delight, for besides the feeling of pleasure at seeing this splendid creature, I entertained a hope that we might shoot him and procure a steak for supper, of which at that time we stood much in need. "'I'm too tired to stalk it now,' said Peterkin, with an air of chagrin. "'Are you up to it, Jack?' "'Quite, but I fear he's an animal that's very difficult to stalk in such an open country. "'What say you, Mac?' "'Him's no be cotch dis yer night, Massa. "'Him's too far away and too wide wake.' "'What say you to a long shot, Peterkin? "'Your rifle is sighted at four hundred yards, "'and he seems to be a little more than six hundred off.' "'I'll try,' said our friend, "'going down on one knee and adjusting the sight of his piece. "'Taking a long, steady aim, he fired, "'and in another instant the zebra lay dead on the plain.' I need hardly add that our amazement was excessive. Even Peterkin himself could scarcely believe his eyes. Had his rifle been sighted for such a distance, the shot, although a splendid one, would not have amazed us so much, because I knew that our friend's aim was deadly. But as he had to elevate the muzzle above the object fired at and guess the amount of elevation, the shot was indeed wonderful. It was a long time before I guide in mood, but when he did recover himself, he danced and shouted like a madman with delight, the and then, setting off with a bound, sped across the plain like a deer come along cried jack with a laugh let's follow for mac looks so rabid when he went off that i believe he'll eat the beast raw before we can claim our share if we don't look sharp we all of us set off at a smart shot and soon came to the spot where our prize lay it was a splendid creature and in prime condition after examining it carefully and descanting on the beauty of its striped skin i sat down beside it and pulled out my notebook while my comrades entered the forest to search for a suitable place in which to camp and kindle a fire A spot was quickly found, and I had scarcely finished making notes when they returned to carry the zebra into the encampment. We accomplished this with some difficulty, and laid it beside the fire. Then, cutting four large stakes from its flanks, we proceeded to sup, after which we made our arrangements for spending the night there. We little knew the startling surprise that was in store for us that night. As the forest in that place happened to be swarming with wild animals of every kind, we deemed it prudent to set a watch as well as to keep up a blazing fire jack and i and the negro kept watch by turns peterkin being still sufficiently an invalid to claim exemption from laborious duties was permitted to rest undisturbed about midnight i aroused jack and having made him sit up in order to show that he was thoroughly awake i lay down and went to sleep how long i slept i cannot tell but i was suddenly awakened by one of the most tremendous roars i ever heard it was so close to me that in the confusion of my sleepy brain it seemed to be far more terrible than that even of the gorilla i was mistaken in this however and no doubt my semi-somnolent condition tended to increase its awfulness springing into a sitting posture and by an involuntary impulse reaching out my hand for my gun which lay close to me i beheld a sight which was calculated to appall the stoutest heart a lion of the largest size was in the very act of springing over the bushes and alighting on the zebra which as i have said lay on the other side of the fire and not four yards off from us as the light glared in the brute's eyes and as it were sparkled in gleams on its shaggy mane which streamed out under the force of its majestic bounds it seemed to my bewildered gaze as though the animal were in the air almost above my head and that he must inevitably alight upon myself this at least is the impression left upon my mind now that i look back upon that terrific scene but there was no time for thought the roar was uttered the bound was made "'and the lion alighted on the carcass of the zebra "'almost in one and the same moment. "'I freely confess that my heart quailed within me, "'yet that did not prevent my snatching up my gun, "'but before I had time to cock it, "'the crashing reports of Jack's elephant rifle "'almost split the drum of my ear, "'and I beheld the lion drop as if it had been a stone. "'It lay without motion, completely dead, "'and we found on examination "'that the ball had smashed in the centre of his forehead "'and completely penetrated his brain.' Some time elapsed before we could find words to express our feelings. Our guide, who had so completely enveloped his head and shoulders in grass when he lay down to sleep that he was the last to spring up, looked at the huge carcass of the lion with an expression of utter bewilderment. What a magnificent fellow, and what a splendid shot! exclaimed Peterkin at last. Why, Jack, I don't believe there's a finer lion in Africa. It's lucky, though, that you were on the kevive. Yes, said I. "'Had it not been for you, we might all have been killed by this time.' "'No fear o dat,' chimed our lion, as he sat down on the lion's shoulder, "'and began to stroke its mane. "'Him's was want him suffer off de zebra. "'Ho, ho! Hims got him suffer off a bullet.' "'Tis well that he has,' observed Jack, as he reloaded his rifle. "'To say the truth, comrades, I scarcely deserve credit for being guardian of the camp, "'for I am ashamed to say that I was sound asleep at the moment the lion roared. "'How I ever managed to take so quick and so good an aim is more than I can tell.' luckily my rifle was handy and i had fallen asleep in a sitting posture had it been otherwise i could scarcely have been in time to prevent the brute springing on us had he felt so disposed here was now another subject for my notebook so i sat down and began a minute inspection of the noble-looking animal while my comrades heaping fresh logs on the fire sat down in front of it and for upwards of an hour fought their battles o'er again it was a matter of deep regret to us all that we could not afford to carry away with us the skin of the lion as is a memorial. But circumstances we then were, that was out of the question, so we contented ourselves with extracting his largest teeth and all his claws, which we still preserve in our museum as trophies of the adventure. End of chapter sixteen Recording by